Yes, you're wrong. The podcast where you talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. And today we're talking about not just those things, but everything and everywhere. (laughs) All at once. As we are known to do, really. I mean, that's kind of how our brains work, how our energy flows. It's a lot. A lot happening. A lot uh, breaking out of the noise. (laughs) A lot of pivots. Truly, Um, you you never know what's going to come out of our mouths. Yeah, the critics might call us uh, zany and um, messy and a little too much sometimes, as they have called this as well. Uh, yes, but also the critics seem to love this movie. Oh, so, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so we're talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, a movie that is very complicated. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Shelby and I were talking before we started recording how she wished that she had done more research. I wish that I had like been able to watch this again. I watched this at a press screening like a couple weeks ago. And so it's like, I'm sure there's, there's just so many things that I'm sure I'm forgetting things or like, um, there's stuff that will end up missing. But I also think that this is a movie that will probably pop up other in other podcasts that we talk about it so i'm sure yeah. we'll be talking about it here and probably in our mid-year rankings in our end of year rankings probably in some of the awards podcasts um if we get to that point um with this movie <laughs> no i mean like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like okay, okay, yeah. It, it, the the awards the award the the award season is It'll long and yeah. stuff that thing that come out in april like we thought in the heights was going to be a big Oscar contender and it ended up not getting anything really anywhere so fingers crossed that that doesn't happen with this but yes well yeah that's just kind of weird about this so this is like um I guess we'd call it indie I don't know it's like a weird movie that no one was sort of sure it's A24 yeah it was produced by A24 um like we've said it's from Daniels who also did um Swiss Army Knife Swiss Swiss Army Army Man. Man Which is a weird movie (laughs) where Paul Dano uses uh, the corpse of Daniel Radcliffe to basically do a million things. So it's like the corpse is a lawnmower (laughs) and it's a toilet and it's a grenade and a bazillion things. Super weird. So they're weird filmmakers. Yeah. And um, this is getting like some positive buzz, but you know, you never know how... um, how this will break on the mainstream but it's done super well it has like 97 percent on rotten tomatoes certified fresh um uh metacritic it has like oh that's not metacritic. it's doing well it's doing well lots of people love it everyone's obsessed with it um to the point where i went to the theater and uh it was like a full house and that has only happened for spider-man in the last two years probably for me personally and everyone was just having a great time it was like a very engaged audience which I don't usually see anymore and it was refreshing and it was fun and it just made you enjoy the movie almost more because it did feel just like so out of left field like this um 
success story for an original concept, a very hard to explain, hard to sell sort of movie. Um, it stars a very diverse cast. There's not really like Michelle Yeoh is the most famous person. And then Jamie Lee Curtis is in it as well. But other than that, there's not like it, it's not your usual like Marvel fodder or like big tentpole moment. But I feel like it's really found power through word of mouth and everyone wants to see what everyone's talking about and so it's been like a big hit so far well it's such a weird movie that it's something where <laughs> i think everyone is telling people it's so good but like i can't explain it you just have to go see it for yourself and yeah. the rollout for this has has been really nicely executed as well i think where like i saw this in a press screening well i think it came out originally at south by southwest and people really liked it there then there was the press screenings and it got good reviews coming out of that but then it opened super limited in only you know 20 some theaters i think across the country so people online were talking about it the reviews were out they're saying it's really good but it wasn't um available for everybody in lots of places and then it was just this past weekend that it opened wide and i think it had enough time for all of those good reviews to sort of spread out into the world so that when it got to places like texas <laughs> it, there there were a lot of people who were excited to see yeah. it because sometimes movies they open too big too early and then nobody goes and sees them because no one has really heard anything mm -hmm. about them or they're movies that never open big and so then they don't have that potential to it's like, oh, well, that movie's never coming to Texas, so it doesn't really matter. You'll get it on VOD <laughs> at some point in like six months. Yeah. So I was curious, uh, do you think that was like an intentional strategy? Because so like we said at the beginning, um, it's early in the year. Uh, we just had the Oscars and now everyone is talking about like, oh, this deserves every Oscar. This is the best film of like the last decade. Ooh. Everyone deserves an acting, directing, like everything about it. And is it going to be able to sustain itself through the year? And should they have waited to release this? Or did it, was it a good strategy because it meant there was nothing competing with it and everyone could just talk about this? I mean, I think that there wasn't really an award strategy for this because I think it's so strange. Yeah. I, like, <laughs> yes, A24 has it, and a, but A24 has lots of strange movies and mm -hmm. sometimes they hit and sometimes they really don't. And yeah. even movies that are good from them don't always have big audiences. Um, movies that I do think are, or sometimes the movies that they produce that are bad seem to have better slots than good. So I think A24, because their movies are so strange, they don't always know where to put it. And the fact that this doesn't have a lot of big celebrities, that it's sort of a sci-fi action movie in a lot of ways, that it doesn't seem to be your typical Oscar movie. I think that they were like, well, uh, like this, the, we probably don't want to put this in the fall where it's up against so much competition, especially if it doesn't do well and it's a sort of weird movie. And then in the summer, you obviously have to compete with all of the blockbusters. So I think that they didn't really know like they knew the movie was good but they didn't know how the reactions would go because it yeah. is such a strange movie so they were like okay let's just put it in the spring and see how it goes i think not really banking on it it's oscar chances um the thing usually oscar movies come out in the fall but most years there's like one or two movies that come out in the spring or summer that there's sort of a consensus around like, okay, that's an Oscar movie. Like, like pencil it in for one of the slots. We're saving it for later, like a black Panther kind of a situation mm -hmm. or a get out. Um, and a lot of times those movies are the, or, or Mad Max are like a little bit of the more 
weird outliers, but if they do really well and people really like them, then they can, then it's sort of like, I'll put a hold on this and we'll revisit it later. So I'm hoping that that's what this is because it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of other competitors for that sort of slot so far. Yeah. Well, and it's just like, yeah, it's, you don't like, get caught up in the buzz or you're like trying to, uh, uh, I don't level expectations, but it is like one of those movies that feels special. Um, kind of like, I don't even know, like a com, like kind of like Parasite where it's like, it's a movie that you don't expect will become mainstream in the U S because, you know, that barrier of subtitles or whatever, but there's just something so stunning about watching it and feeling like it's different than anything else. And I feel like that will help it too. almost like get out. Cause get out came in out in like February or yeah. something and was still able to get some nominations for Oscars and stuff. Because I think every now and then there's just a movie that is hard to forget. And that's what this feels like. The other thing that I think is really in this movie's favor is that the critics awards all go first mm -hmm. in the award season and critics are obsessed with this movie. So even if this, um, so even if it does sort of like peter off with the Academy or like the old Academy members either don't see it or don't remember it. I think that come October, November, when the, when Michelle Yeoh gets, you know, all of these critics prizes, that'll sort of like put it back on the map. Um, and also the fact that this movie is doing so well in the box office also makes a big impact. Because what if you think about Get Out or Black Panther, like those are movies that also did really well in the box office. Yeah. Where like in the Heights, which came out in the summer and we thought was going to be good and then didn't last as long. I think part of the problem with that movie was that it just didn't do as well in theaters as people thought it was going to. And so it didn't have that to lean on where this has both really good critics scores and a really good box office so far and it's memorable so i think this definitely has sticking power um at least if it's just for michelle yo i mean i think it should win or i think it should be in consideration for lots of awards but i think especially michelle yo's performance will definitely get a lot of attention in the award season hopefully yeah so it's kind of like <laughs> if you're listening to this i honestly hope that you've seen the movie um it's a fun if one to go into blind yeah, and if you haven't seen the movie and you have any desire to see this movie, you should just pause the episode and go watch it because it's <laughs> yeah. so good. Like, I will say, I, I think it's one of the best movies that we've seen since we started this podcast, in my opinion. Um, it's very original. It's something that's a lot of fun to talk to about with other people. It's something that's really engaging to watch and interesting. Like, it's not, it's not boring, and it's also, like, it's, complicated but it's not so complicated that you're sitting there like not understanding it or having to like piece things yeah, together afterwards like tenant that's trying to make no. you feel dumb because it must be smart or something this is like very straightforward it has pretty like understandable rules for a time travel multi-universe like situation so it feels almost like watching something like back to the future or um I can't think of any other <laughs> time travel movies. Harry Potter, the third one? Yeah, it's like, okay, do we have questions about how this would work? Sure, but it doesn't matter because they establish it quickly. They give you enough key factors and then it, they keep you entertained through the whole thing. So you're not like stumbling to try and make sense of complex puzzles or like how this thing that happened then mattered now 
because it all like ties wonderfully together and builds in a really natural way. And so I think that was part of the charm is that, you know, like for instance, Avengers Endgame spent a lot of time trying to make jokes about how complex time travel is to like justify why why theirs didn't necessarily make the most sense. And it became sort of an inline joke. Whereas this is like, no, this is very straightforward, like deal with it and let's enjoy it. And so it wasn't like distracted with having to keep on explaining things or keep on or ironing out like quirks or questions. It was just like, here's the premise now, either accept it or don't, but it's happening. (laughs) And also I think it does a nice job of the main character is confused by this as it's happening. So you as an audience member feel like, okay, wait, she's confused. I'm confused. We're both confused. They explain it a couple of times and then she sort of says, okay, wait, so this is what is happening. And then like lays it out again really nicely for you. So by the, so I feel like it's, by the time you get to like the halfway point in the movie, you're pretty solid on the time travel rules. And then also at the heart of this movie is a very like personal family drama that it ends up sort of being. So even though there's all these multiverses and time travel and whatever at the, at the middle is this, you know, drama about parents and children. And so even if you don't fully understand the time travel stuff, I think all of the family stuff makes a lot of sense and is easy to follow and is also really well done. So there's that aspect as well. Yeah. It's just like a, so at the heart of it, it's like this story about this woman who's owns a laundromat with her husband and she seems pretty tired by her life and, uh, unmoved by the things she's been unable to accomplish and she has a daughter who has a who's lesbian and she doesn't know how to handle that and Michelle Yeoh seems very like tired from the get-go very annoyed to be where she is um and at the the issue is she has to go to the IRS and defend her um financials with oh yeah Jamie Lee Curtis it just like the the it, she is so bleak because <laughs> her husband's trying to divorce her. Her daughter is like mad at her and has this girlfriend, and you can tell that Michelle Yeoh is not thrilled with the daughter being gay. And then her father is there, who sort of has um, dementia, I think, and she's taking care of him. And the laundromat business isn't going well, and she's dealing with annoying clients. And then on top of it all, she has to go to the IRS and. Uh, she doesn't speak English super, super well. And so there's like issues with the translation with to Jamie Lee Curtis, who's the IRS agency. She, Michelle Yeoh's character is just like sort of had it. And it's one of those days where it's the worst possible day for you and nothing is going her way. And that's the setup of like the first 20 minutes of the movie is just like following her through this sort of miserable string of events. <laughs> yeah, uh, Her husband's played by Kehui Kwan, who's, famous like for his child acting he's from temple of doom and the goonies and then kind of disappeared because hollywood isn't (laughs) doesn't have a great track record for giving uh roles to asian actors um which michelle yo also has experience with where she came onto the scene with like crouching tiger hidden dragon and actually it was really moving because when she was talking about this 
this film, she was like crying because she's like, when I read the script, I realized now people, this is what I've been waiting for. Like now people will be able to see me act. People will be able to see me that I'm not just serious, that I'm not just funny, but I can be everything and I can do it all. And it was like, oh my gosh, you can. Yes, queen. And right away, both of them really get to flex their acting because they're you know, they're playing all these different versions of themselves as they break through the multiverse. And, and K. Huey Kwan gets to go first because he's the, he's the one who comes to tell her about the dire multiverse situation. And so he breaks character and becomes this more like confident, um, ass kicking type who can explain that she needs to do this because the multiverse is failing. Someone's after her and she's the only one who can fix it. Um, and so it's really just like right in the deep end, right at the get go. And so (laughs) I don't even know how to like break this down. I know Um, (laughs) it's so hard to explain because yeah, there's, they're all at the IRS and then all of a sudden the dad, uh, Waymond is, uh, like like okay, his personality shifts and you can tell Michelle Yeoh is like what is happening here and he's like the multiverse is like crumbling there's a b- bunch of different versions of yourself but there's this like evil monster figure who's out to destroy everything to destroy all the multiverses and for whatever reason you're the only person who can save them um, or who can save the multiverse the evil person's minions are sort of after you. So you're going to have to fend them off. And the only way you can do that is by like accessing the skill sets of versions of you from other multiverses. So because of that, Michelle Yeoh has to then like tap into these different versions of herself that are like a martial arts uh, instructor or a, um, or like someone who is really good at like flipping this sign around. So you kind of use it as a shield. Like, so she has to tap into all of these different characters. And then as she's doing that, we sort of um, get glimpses into the lives that she could have led in the different multiverses, because it's sort of based on this tenet that every choice you make splinters off a different universe. So there's versions of her that she's, interacting with now that are versions like oh if she chosen not to get married if she chosen not to have kids if she'd done this or that that they're different um so it's interesting to watch her not only play these different versions of herself but have the uh, main version of herself have to interact with that and sort of grapple with like i could have been a famous actor if i had you know chosen differently yeah (laughs) yeah so I mean, really uh, getting into it from our perspective, I'm curious, like, what, like, when did you, like, what made you love this movie? Like, when was the moment in the movie that you were like, oh, this is actually, like, great? Well, I mean, I like A24 movies in general, so I was excited to go see this. Mm -hmm. I really had no idea what it was going to be about, Um, and... I saw it before, like, the reviews came out, so I didn't know if it was good or not, and... I love, you know, sort of like an action stunt movie, which we've talked about before. And so right from sort of the jump when we have that aspect that comes in, because I'd say like the first 15, 20 minutes is just sort of like setup of these characters. Then the multiverse enters and then we move into a pretty extended piece that's a lot of action as she's fending off these various people and sort of like fighting through this IRS building. And so I loved 
all of that, all of the fight sequences. I thought it was funny. I thought it was clever. Um, I liked the, the multiverses and how they interacted with each other. So I was very much like, okay, this is a fun like action movie. It's interesting. And I got to a point where, so it it kind of has different parts, but like there's there's a point like that I thought, oh, this is probably halfway through where the action sort of ends a little bit and it moves into sort of a more personal section. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like this is this is probably where the movie's gonna get bad because we're <laughs> we're past the sort of fun stuff, and I bet we probably have like over an hour left, and this is gonna be long and bloated. And I like looked down at my watch, and we only had like forty five minutes left, and I was like, wow, we have we have like gone through much more time than I thought we had. Like that's how engaging this movie was. Mm -hmm. And then when it flips that switch and moves sort of into the family drama a little bit more, even though it still has all of the elements of the multiverse and the um, action sequences still in it. Once it moved into the family drama, then I was like, Oh, this is also incredible. Like every section of this movie is great and then as it was ending and all of the pieces are tying together I was like this is executed super well the finish is really strong you don't I don't feel like there's pieces left hanging it's not one of those movies that you get to the end and it feels unfulfilling or confusing like it feels like everything that was there from the beginning was very purposeful and all ties in and not only that but the end is super emotional so I was like sobbing for probably the last half hour of this movie (laughs) like it was mildly embarrassing to be sitting there in the theater just like sort of <laughs> sniffling and not that other people like weren't crying in my theater but I feel like I would like I was seeing I this saw was, was like you're five feet apart basically right exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> yes except for this was a good movie yeah. um but, uh, but same yeah when when <laughs> when she fell in the ice pool and then got dragged out and then they had to kiss even though they could transmit a disease <laughs> and they had to walk to the city that they lived by but they'd never been to before yeah and then he set up an elaborate light display outside of her hospital oh window wish. yeah mm. <laughs> no i was like i was seeing it with maybe like five or six press people and all mm. of them were older and yeah. i don't know i think also because a lot of the family drama has to do with the daughter being gay. There was also that added element for me. So I was just like a puddle. Yeah, no, Rob had a similar experience because we had to see it separately because we have this baby. And so he went alone and he was just like (laughs) choking back sobs, he said, and everyone was like concerned for him. But he, yeah, it's a very moving, like, you know, I, I was reading some like, critiques of it because obviously we can't have nice things um for the most part everyone's very positive everyone's like this is very playful it's very energetic a uh, well thought out very moving uh creatively just out there um but some people were like mm, i don't know it just like had to do everything right like it was just trying everything <laughs> just like yes that's that's a yeah i think Good i think yeah, the complaint is like, oh, it's either it's doing too much and they should have cut some things or it's too long and they should have cut some things. I saw a critique that was like, um, it's like playing into these totally basic ideas about family and like, whoa, we get it. Like all this messaging. Oh, thing. yeah. It's like, well, that's that's like the central. I mean, that's like what everyone everyone has a family, good or bad. Right. Like that's what we all we have these relationships that our society has formed and, and we are born into something and we can't help that and i think that will always be a part of movie storytelling where it's like of course there has to be a i don't know like a human emotional 
heart to this to make it meaningful because otherwise it's just quirky set pieces. And I think they made a smart choice where it was kind of this, you know, kind of open-ended, just like family reconciliation, but it's still messy, but it's also like, like, it's not like a neat, oh, there's this one problem and we are going to solve it by the end of the movie. It's more like these people have complex relationships where she's not happy with her husband, but she does have love for him where she's confused about her daughter and she's dealing with her own like generational trauma of being abandoned by her parents or um, kicked out by her parents for her choices. And so I thought it was interesting that there was a lot going on on the family level because it made it easier for everyone to tap in for whatever thing they relate to. Like for you, like the, the uh, gay child was like, Oh my gosh, like uh, this is too familiar. And then, like things like generational trauma or um, dealing with you owned a laundromat with your family. (laughs) So that was what got you in something that works for everyone. And I think that speaks to like the humanity of this, where for so many people, we want to just like say, oh, I can't relate to that. Like, oh, Asian American family. Like, why would I as a white person see that? But everything about this was so relatable. And yet there were these distinct um unique characteristics that also made it interesting and fun and complex. And I think that's just like, that was what stunned me about it was like, I was watching it and I was like, Hollywood is so scared to take chances. Like everything goes through these boards, these, these, ta- these, um, people saying, Oh, we can't do that for our audience. Well, like, we'll lose an like audience. Like the lost city. Yeah. Yeah. And it just feels like they're trying to fit into this very specific mold of what a movie is and what a genre does demands. And yet this just like goes off the walls, like totally crazy to the point where there's like a ratatouille raccoon version like happening or hot dogs for fingers. Like it's just like weird. Like it's just straight up nonsense. And yet it was so engaging and so easy to embrace and, and find these moving moments, even in those most wild and zany, jokey universes, that it's like, it it was just like stunning to think like, man, if people are just given freedom to express, there's still like a human element there that allows the audience to find itself like relating to it. So it's just like, I think that's what, what I enjoyed most was just like realizing how different this was and how so often, especially in Hollywood, especially with storytelling, we're like, oh, different will just mean that you can't like get your audience and you can't like make your money back and you won't be able to like make sense in the time frame you have. And it's like, no, that's not true at all. Like sometimes being the weirdest one of the bunch is the way to reach the largest group of people. Yeah. Well, Rob texted me after he had seen it and was like, Shelby hasn't seen it yet, but I think this might be like my favorite movie ever that I've seen. <laughs> yeah. And we were both sort of like, oh, Shelby hates this, but like, this is going to be miserable. Like she better <laughs> like this movie. So I'm glad that you did. Um, the, I, so I watched it when I went and saw it, I tweeted something or put something on Instagram. that was like, Oh, going to see this movie. And this guy who I follow on Twitter, uh, or maybe it was Instagram. Anywho, like he was like, "Oh, let me know how it is," and I thought that he hadn't seen it. So afterwards, I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's it, I loved it so much. Like I thought it was so funny and heartwarming, and it was like a queer story and just so like engaging and creative." And he was like, "Oh, I hated it. I thought it was like so just like a broy movie," and I was like, "What?" 
that is he's like yeah it was just like bro humor and i can like maybe sort of see that kind of but i'm like this movie is is so much more than like the humor of it and yes the directors are both guys but you know, like this is a story I would never of classify this as bro. No, no, I'm like this is a story about you know like an an older like immigrant woman. It's a story about like family. It's a story Motherhood, about yeah, yeah queer people about like father daughter relationships. There, like even the the dad is like a very is not your um is not like your your stereotypical father figure like he's mm-hmm. definitely the one the one of the pair that's like more that's less dominant his wife is the one who's in charge and he just seems sort of like the nice guy mm-hmm. in the in the grouping i i don't know i was like this is a baffling um assessment and then somebody else i saw on twitter was like oh yeah i knew like what the themes were right away so i didn't really like it and i was like <laughs> Is that the like? Is that is that the like? Don't you know what the themes are going to be in most movies when you see them? Like, like if whenever I go see a Marvel movie, I'm pretty sure I know what the themes are going to be. It's like good over evil. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, like Sonic the Hedgehog isn't doing anything, but it still speaks to people for whatever reason. You know, it's art. Um, yeah, I think critics like shooting down a movie that's doing so well and is so creative is just like frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Like what are like what do you want? If this isn't if this is not what we should be asking for, which is like new, inventive, but well done ideas that have like a solid budget behind them and and talented stars, like what what do you want? Like yeah. what movie are we asking for? That's why I feel I'm like not everyone has to like love every movie, right? Like not everyone will have the same favorite movie, and that's okay. But it's weird to try and shoot something down because it's not working for you personally. Like it's like if your only complaint is that you thought it was too messy, it's not really a complaint. Like it's not, this isn't a badly made film. It's not a badly written film. It's not a weirdly uh, pointed film. Like it feels like a, just a creative achievement, like just bare bones. If you could only say one thing nice about it, that seems like a pretty big thing to like give it credit for. Right. Like it's like, this is a weird <laughs> movie, but it's so wonderfully uh confident in itself and for some reason all the pieces work and it's very very like expertly drawn because every single joke every single reference every single thing that felt like a throwaway like fun idea for another world ended up playing out in a really beautiful emotional like payoff where you don't expect the hot dog finger universe to matter in the end but it ends up being like a really beautiful like reveal I don't know like that was what I loved too is like so much of this movie could have just been something like your usual comedy where it's like oh here's a funny shtick like let's move on to the next one going through like weird set after weird set but everything in this first half ended up paying off in the second. And I I loved watching that come together because in the finale, there's like this moment where she is kind of forced. She's realizing that she doesn't want to fight. She wants to love and, but she still needs to save her daughter from the (laughs) everything bagel. And so she is channeling herself not to learn the expert ways to combat, but rather to understand what each other universe other self needs to feel 
fulfilled to f- find meaning because that's really like mm-hmm. the central piece is like her <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the everything bagel but her daughter is the the monster the um the jobu tupaki and she's the one who's seen all she's cracked the multiverse she's been everything all at once and now she thinks, what's the point? Her her reaction to this overwhelming sensory information is if if we're going to just if, if every if I experience everything, I know something else is already being experienced similarly. And so there's no meaning left in the world. Like it's like we're all so small, none of it matters at all. And so she wants to just destroy the multiverse because it's like, what's the point? And uh and Michelle Yeoh's character, she too breaks through the multiverse and too realizes this. But then her understanding is kind of this moment of Eureka where she's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. But that alone makes it matter. Like there's no point in worrying about what could have been or what will be because all we have right now is this moment to to treasure what we have. <laughs> Is yes. that kind of what you got? I feel like there's a few different interpretations that I would allow from her sort of uh, no, discovery of meaning. Definitely. I think that's what it is. Of Yeah, it's easy to get overwhelmed by the fact that like what like what is the meaning of the world like we're all here about what's happening and like is there any point to anything and Michelle Yeoh's character sort of eventually comes around to that the point of everything yeah is the moments that you have and enjoying it and also the 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 meaning is in the relationships mm-hmm. it's in your connections with other people and finding the meaning and validation there even if the rest of the universe is in chaos it's like her relationship with her husband and her relationship with her dad and her relationship with her daughter and how she should focus on those things and really cherish those rather than getting caught up in sort of like the the void and everything that's going on around her yeah which is kind of like because at first there's this speech from Waymond who's like oh we just need to be kind like stop hurting each other everyone everything's chaotic all we can do is be kind and that felt like okay i'm i'm in pessimistic mode where i have my anxieties and my (laughs) my issues with the world i was thinking when (laughs) when i was watching i was like this is like shelby and i shelby is the is uh the bad guy and i'm the uh and and i'm like the one and i'm the dad who's like no no, just be nice yeah. to people. I'm in my Jobu Tupaki phase yes. where I'm like, yeah, let's just give in. I'm going to walk into that everything bagel right mm-hmm. now because I can't accept this. But, it but was... little do you know, I'm on Rob's shoulders <laughs> uh, pretending to be the raccoon and we're chasing yeah. you down. <laughs> yeah, because if that had been it, if it had just been this man's heroic message of be kind and like, you know, his tiny Tim voice, like letting it happen, it, I would have been like frustrated, but it ended up kind of complicating that even more where it wasn't just kindness it wasn't just oh yeah I'll be kind I'll like hug these people and it'll be fine it was actually engaging with the individuals and figuring out Mm -hmm. what they needed to like stop hurting so much and I liked that and there was this moment where she was able to help Jamie Lee Curtis's character in multi multiple multiverse multiple universes and um and so I liked that it ended up not just being like oh if we're just kind everything will work out it was more no, we have to like engage with what's going on no matter where we are to figure out the best way forward for everyone. And I and I liked that. I thought it was like 
it was really moving and interesting. And on top of it, it was just really funny. Like I, it was, it was a funny, there was like butt plug jokes and, and fighting with, um, dildos and, you know, there were a lot of costume changes and there was a raccoon and it was all just so chaotically insane, but there was something so charming about every single one of them. Well, the other thing that I think came out towards the end as well is that just like the bad, yes, there are bad things that happen and those are frustrating, but also those bad things force you to like reinforce the good things in a stronger way. Mm-hmm. Cause the, because the, there's the whole world where everybody has hot dogs for hands that you think is just going to be this joke. And it sort of is, but then it eventually gets payoff. But the, the, the whole point of that is that, Oh, the, in this world where everybody has hot dogs for fingers and they can't do anything with their fingers, it ends up that they have really strong feet and really capable feet. And so like, that's sort of how it's, so even bad things that happen to you sort of like end up, creating strengths in other places, which I thought was also an interesting, um, yeah, like, uh, lesson to learn. There were so many great, uh, yeah, like ways of thinking that I think that they tie together in the movie. And, and the script, if this didn't win best original screenplay, I will be so (laughs) annoyed because the screenplay is so good. And like you said, every single thing ties back and all of these universes that you think are just throwaways or punchlines, like not a single one of them is like not the Ratatouille raccoon one, Mm. like not the Michelle Yeoza dominatrix one, like all (laughs) of them. Like there's even one where there are two rocks that are next to each other that they they all just pay off so well and there's all of these things that are brought up early that then end up becoming more of a that are more important later like early jamie lee curtis's character has this award on her desk that looks like a dildo and so or a butt plug so everybody's like oh okay like that's like the funny joke that this award looks like a butt plug but then that ends up coming up other points in the movie where it's more important it's just so well-crafted and so tight Mm -hmm. like i want to know how they storyboarded all of this (laughs) um i was like looking at articles about sort of like that they had other versions of plot lines that were going to happen that they ended up cutting for different reasons um jack jackie chan was originally supposed to be the lead like they wanted this to be a story that had a male lead but then they ended up switching it to michelle yo aquafina at one point was supposed to be Mm. the daughter and then she had the dropout due to scheduling reasons so they replaced her with stephanie sue which i don't i hadn't seen her in anything Mm -hmm. before but she's really great um yeah the whole thing like it just all of the pieces fit together immaculately. Yeah. It was kind of like, it was like the super cut of like uh, weird ideas where it was, and in a lot of scenes there were just like split second scenes of each different universe flashing through. And I thought it was just like visually so engaging and you did just want to like slow things down and like, wait, 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 like, let's break this down. I want to (laughs) understand. I want to see what you were thinking. And the costuming was gorgeous. Like, Uh, the the daughter gets to wear all these other, all these cool outfits because she can be everywhere all at once. And so she's like, nothing's real in her superpower form 
because she can just flip through everything. I don't know. Science, whatever. Yeah. Because <laughs> she, she keeps great. like pulling in different versions of herself from different multiverses. It's like she's a pop star. She's a tennis player. But they're all like all of her costumes and makeups are great. Yeah. And then also Michelle Yeoh, because she's in all of these different universes, has cool costumes i love like if this doesn't get it needs a costume nomination it needs an editing nomination for sure it needs um uh writing i think michelle yo definitely deserves best actress i don't know whether they would submit the dad as either supporting or lead but i feel like he's really good in this both the daughter and jamie lee curtis are great in it like this should get so many Oscar nominations. I'm already upset at Oscar nominations that it won't get. <laughs> and it, it's like the score is really good. The music choices that they have, obviously there's no stunt Oscar, but this like the, all of the stunts and coordinating they do. And also the visual effects in this movie are good. And I saw a tweet that said that the visual effects team for this was only five people, <laughs> which is ridiculous because the Marvel movies have like hundreds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it like, it was like, it was like an ADHD brain happening on screen because it was just like constantly flicking through different things. And, and it was just like someone sitting down and being like, oh, what if this girl fought with her dog? Like it was just like use her dog as a slingshot type thing. Oh, I loved that. And it was just like it was bonkers. And it felt like that helped. Like you were saying, it helped it move quickly because you were just like there was no slowing well, down. There were like very l- short scenes there were very quick takes happening and i think that was an interesting choice i think one of the funnest ideas which i don't know how they would have come up with this is that the way to access the other universes is by doing (laughs) things that are so extreme that they would only take place in a different universe so all of these characters in order to like access other versions of themselves have to do things like oh you have to paper cut your finger you have to sit on a dildo you have to like different yeah yeah oh you have to yeah all of this weird stuff butt plug up your <laughs> so so these characters are constantly doing weird things which yeah. then just make but it makes sense within the within the scope of the world yeah uh. yeah they were having a fun time and i think that just reinvigorate like you could tell their love for filmmaking and you could tell the care they put into this movie like it wasn't something that ju- they were just like like you know, the last city, which we just did. So I'm sorry to like pile on it. But that felt very much like, oh, let's make a traditional like rom-com and we're just going to have fun. And it just feels like they had picked the end before they worked through the process. Whereas this felt very much like, oh my gosh, like what is the weirdest thing we could do right now? And there's true like love and care put into each and every weird thing happening on screen. And so you could just feel they're like, their energy and I think that was such a fun thing because so often we lose the director's perspective in movies like Marvel or DC where it doesn't necessarily matter how something is framed or you know it always matters but it doesn't feel like it matters to the audience whereas this felt very much like I was I was very cognizant of like how much joy the filmmakers must have had with this in particular. 
And I mm-hmm. think that's a unique experience in movies these days. Oh, yeah. Well, and we've talked a lot about how a lot of times in comedies, it gets to the second half and they're trying to do something that's like more personal. So it stops being funny. And this, I think, is funny all the way through, even Mm -hmm. though it is more personal in the second half. And also the personal stuff doesn't feel disconnected from the first half. Where, like, again, in Lost City, the second half like there's parts of it that feel like they're pulled from a completely different movie where this it's like everything in the second half is payoff from the first half. So it all feels like it needs to be there, that it's supposed to be there, that there's like meaning behind it, that it's not just sort of tacked on to be like, well, like we have to do something here. Um, yeah. Even the character that's the, Michelle Yeoh's dad in the movie, like it, his role is much smaller than the rest of the f- sort of family unit. But the way that he keeps popping up is really interesting, and and his sort of like payoff at the end is really uh, fascinating. Um, Harry Shum Jr. is in it <laughs> as like a hibachi cook. That's really great. Like, there's just so many parts of it that are uh, just because i love this movie so much i could talk <laughs> about it forever i'm i'm going to see it again on wednesday just because i like need to uh i don't know i hope i can't imagine that there's going to be a movie that i'd like more than this this year if there is this is a boon year for film yeah. so just be prepared for me to <laughs> just be like gushing over this from now till the end of eternity yeah i think it's refreshing to have a movie that one isn't obvious in its takeaway because um yeah so often we do these movie review episodes and we're like okay yeah whereas i feel like we could we could conceivably just sit on this and like talk about each each segment in particular and like what what we learned from the rakakuni or or the hot dog scenes or whatever and i liked that there was intention in that where they wanted us to just go along for the ride because um one of the Daniels said, like, we want, there's no right interpretation. The optimal way to experience it is when Evelyn gives up, you kind of have to as well. And so you're just going along for this ride and you're feeling the emotions and you're feeling everything and you are everywhere all at once. And it's just kind of like the sensory overload in the end, both emotional and physical, where you're just like, nah, I don't know what's happening, but you're left to kind of like process and try to put it together and not puzzle it out, but just enjoy it and kind of walk away thinking, whoa, what did I just experience? Like, what am I going to take away from this? Well, another thing that we have talked about a lot on our podcast is these directors or actors who sort of feel like they're owed something or like that you don't understand what they're talking about, who who are frustrating in their press around the movie because either they are like think that they're super geniuses and like just deserve all of the good praise or expecting it. Or they're really upset when they don't get good reviews and they're like, well, you just didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody in this movie between the actors and the directors seem like they knew that it was like that they were enjoying the process of making it, but sort of thought that nobody else would (laughs) like (laughs) get it or that it wouldn't do well. So I feel like in every interview I see with them, they're all so like excited that people like it and so thrilled to be there. The one, one of the directors, um, Daniel Kwan he like he's on Twitter and is like retweeting all of the like reviews that it's getting the and, and, that 
and just being like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so glad you liked it. Like, I'm so thankful we didn't think that this would do well, but it did. Like, this is so just, you love, it, it's like you like everybody involved. Yeah. So you're rooting for it all, yeah, all that I mean, much harder. Charming. Where I think, you know, even... I think Coda had a little bit of that this past year, mm. but stuff like, you know, Power the Dog or Belfast, it comes with so much like, well, like there's so much expected on it mm. that there's not as, it doesn't feel like there's as much joy when it does well, where this definitely in, feels more like a Coda or a, a Parasite or something where everybody involved is just like, oh my gosh, we weren't expecting this. We're along for the ride. Like, let's have a good time yeah it feels like you're like you're discovering it it feels like you like you got one before the critics did or whatever not that that's true anymore but there's something about it that feels like oh this april movie like it shouldn't be popular but i'm gonna go see it and like and then it just blows your mind and you're like oh my gosh this is like my movie now like i have ownership over making this happen because it wasn't meant to be the little engine that could but because I, one of the <laughs> people of the world, went and saw it. Now everyone's talking about it. Well, and it doesn't feel like a movie that the critics were like, oh, it's a critical darling. But yeah, nobody yeah. went and saw it. And, the, and you sort of, it, like a vegetables movie where <laughs> you feel like, oh, okay, I have to see this because whatever. And it doesn't feel like something also that the old Stagi Academy would like. So I think it's exciting as a viewer to be like, this is a movie that we like, that we are going to watch, that is doing well because we, the theater going, audience love it and we are going to force everybody to look at it even if they are an old stodgy old white man who normally would be like i don't want to watch a movie about an asian lady and a multiverse and we don't do sci-fi or whatever (laughs) that we're like no this is incredible and you have to pay attention to it like you're not allowed to overlook it yeah and luckily they're great at making a movie that's just like fun but also if you stripped out the multiverse you'd still have an interesting story about a woman struggling to like find her purpose and love her daughter and feel loved by those around her and I think that that marriage of the two helped it because it didn't feel like they they forgot one or the other right like it wasn't like they're like oh well we just have to have a frame story like let's just put one together it was like they they merged and they and they made sense together and I think that was part of the uh the artistry of it that that made it hard to look away because it's just like this is a very well crafted film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm ex. I'm I never saw Swiss Army Man, but now I want to go back and watch that. And then they also have a movie called The Death of Dick Long, which I have never heard of. But I'm also like, I need to watch all of these. <laughs> well, I think they've only done the two together. Like I think yes. this is their second one together. Yeah. I think they've each done one separately, but mm-hmm. they're very like young in their careers. And it's, it's pretty, that's part of the excitement too, is that they're just these guys who wanted to do something ultra creative and, and were given the, the keys to do it and it, and it paid off. Well, also it's fun that the, I think part of the reason why they got the keys to do this is because two of the producers on it are the Russo brothers who are mm. the Marvel uh, people and the people who did, um, what was the movie that I really liked that you hated? Um, <laughs> that was like Excavation or whatever. Um, oh, the Extraction. Extraction, Extracted. yes. Extracted. So you can tell that the like that the stunt work and stuff is really good in this. I think probably in part because of them, because they were stunt directors before they were director directors. And so you have the Daniels who are bringing this uh, incredible story to the table. But then also you have some of the premier uh, stunt coordinators involved in this project as well. And I'm sure that, you know, anything that the Marvel 
top dogs want to do, they can sort of get money to do. So I'm glad that they, you know, decided to champion this much Mm -hmm. smaller project and put some effort behind it because this is what, this is the kind of thing that I wish that we saw more of, of these people who have a lot of money or clout or fame can put their, put that behind, you know, smaller, more diverse casts and movies that are doing interesting things. Yeah. And it's just like, it just proves the point again that that Parasite has proven, that Squid Game has proven. It's like, it doesn't matter if your movie looks like your audience or whatever. Like, if it's a good story, then you're, you'll find your audience. Like, I think that's what's so frustrating to be met with over and over again, where it's constantly like these diverse movies are being judged against some weird metric of like, oh, I don't know if we have the, you know, maybe we should put a white person in there and make it more comfortable. It's like, no, like, this is a good movie, not in spite of, not, you know, it's like, this is a good movie and it's easily accessible to any human being on planet Earth. Like, I just think I you hope that these sort of things where it's like they weren't trying to prove anything, they were just trying to make a good movie, uh, continue to kind of help change that, like, stringent idea of, of what should be made these days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're getting more of those. It seems like every year so that's exciting and yeah hopefully the the trend just keeps getting better and better you know i mean between it started with uh crazy rich asians on the asian american front but the also we have um you know like get out and some of these other movies that are yeah bringing bringing a lot more people to the table who aren't white who aren't like these all white male cast because also if you ever watch movies that are like were made in the 90s or before it's insane how like nobody is a woman <laughs> or a person of color you know it's like it's a law firm and there's yeah. 10 lawyers and they're all white guys and you're like this would not have been like there's no way today they would cast that and be like oh yeah no this is fine we'll keep that they'd be like yeah. no we got to do like something or another here well, and this and, this cast felt more realistic to me than something like yeah something all white because it's like I mean, maybe it's because I live in a city, obviously, and, you know, I'm not in the middle America, Midwest, like just uh, going to wherever. But it felt like, yeah, this is a, this is a, you have Jamie Lee Gurr, yeah, you could go to the IRS and you see everyone of all sorts of races, ethnicities, whatever, interacting. And that felt like human life more than something like Christopher Nolan's idea of what (laughs) society is. Also, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis for this is, you know, sort of playing this frumpy IRS character. And she was like, oh, you know, they sort of thought, oh, would they put her in a fat suit or do something like that? And she was like, no, I'll just like be a normal human being and just like have a normal human body in this scene Mm -hmm. and look like a normal person and not have it, you know, like a like a joke. Like, yeah. And it and it I think it's so well done. And she's incredible in this movie, too. And the different parts that she gets to play. So I loved seeing her here. Yeah, everyone was having a good time. And I think it it paid off. You could just feel their energy and excitement for this project. And it made it easy to root for it as an audience member, too. Yeah, it's sort of like the Matrix, (laughs) but meets like Coda or something (laughs) like that. Yeah, there's got to be something more zany or like frenetic we could pair it with. It's very like 
slap happy you know it's very yes like, there's something silly yeah it's not it. as serious as either of yeah. those movies maybe meets um isn't it romantic a classic <laughs> oh, fun film please help us uh yeah it's like pitch perfect minus the music meets the matrix plus yeah if we just keep listing comps then it'll feel like plus ratatouille all at once. yeah <laughs> mm. um <sighs> yeah Okay, everybody go see this movie. We'll be talking about it more soon, yes. I'm sure. I'm seeing it again, so I'll I'll bring up more points. <laughs> okay, perfect. But, uh, well, I'm glad you like this. I was so nervous. Whenever I like movies, I get nervous that you're going to hate <laughs> you them. Know, you know which ones are worth hating. I, 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 I don't. I don't. <laughs> I never do. It's just when I think that it's going to be a success, you're like, no. <laughs> I did have a meltdown after this one because of my uh my everything bagel phase, but but we'll figure it out. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we'll get we'll get you through that. <laughs> Thank you. Um but okay, uh in the meantime you can follow us on social media. I don't know what we're doing next week, as is usual. Anything for but us. Sonic. <laughs> um the Harry, the new Harry Potter movie. Oh shoot, dang it. <laughs> you're like Son- no sonic 2 sounds good no i love sonic sonic's great you don't want to watch 16 yeah, we'll hours of the crimes of grindelwald that, or whatever up to this though it will never be as good no but. no no next week will be trash no matter what we cover in comparison uh okay see you guys then bye